Hey world, Dr. Scott Sigmund here. Today's episode of the Ortho Show podcast is going to be sponsored by Ortho Laser Orthopedic Laser Centers. I am absolutely convinced that the effects of this pandemic are going to linger for months, if not years. The way in which we deliver medical care is going to be changed forever. We have no idea when the operating rooms are open. There's going to be a long line for elective surgery. And when they do reopen, we're not even sure if we're going to be at full capacity. Basically, there's going to be a huge backlog of elective joint replacement for the elderly. There's also going to be many young patients that are going to say, you know, I just can't do surgery right now, doc. I need to get back into the workforce. I need to earn some money. I need to provide for my family. So basically, we're going to have to be forced as, as docs to find alternative treatment options for our patients for acute and chronic pain. OrthoLaser, orthopedic laser centers powered by MLS M8 laser technology is going to be that solution. Uh, the FDA cleared MLS M8 laser treatments are painless and only take about 10 minutes. So here's the deal, everybody. Our ortho laser centers are currently open in Boston, Newburgh, New York, Lexington, Kentucky, Pensacola, Florida, and soon to be opening in Atlanta, Hartford, and Portsmouth, New Hampshire. These franchise opportunities are available at this time all across the country. So whether you're an interested patient or a doctor who wants to know more, please visit www.ortholaserwithaz.com. Again, www.ortholaserwithaz.com to learn more. From Medical Media, this is The Author Show. Okay, hello world. It is your favorite opioid-sparing orthopedic surgeon, Dr. Scott Sigmund, here to host another episode of The Ortho Show podcast. I have a very special guest, a, a dear friend of mine who I've spent a lot of time with. We're sort of pivoting outside of our normal orthopedic space, but... We have Gabby Reese, who is a wonderful mother, wife, entrepreneur, former model, still model, from what I understand, maybe professional volleyball player. Uh, I like to describe her as the original Wonder Woman. And here she is. How you doing, Gabby? Hey, Doc. How are you? This is a new way for us to connect. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We uh, We have a great history together. We spent about six months, wasn't it? Going back and forth with all types of media, live TV, tape TV, interviews, etc. So we were really trying to get our very important message of opioid sparing surgery out. So, you know, it's good to see you again. It's great to see you, at least so, this way. Yeah, exactly. So you're, so you're in Malibu, right? Not in, not, not in Hawaii. Yeah, we're, we, we decided to uh, shelter in place in, in Malibu. Yeah, California's... Uh, it's not a bad place to be able to look out if you have to be, you know, shelter in place, right? Yeah, we're very fortunate. Yeah, that sounds like uh, the kids are doing well. I listened yeah. to your podcast with Reese. That was awesome. Oh, yeah. yeah, I know. It's far out that when they grow up and they have lots of opinions. Yeah, we, uh, so we have five boys. We go 25, 21, two 17s and a 15 year old. So I, yeah, we know what you're living for sure. <laughs> God bless my wife. Five boys. Yeah. <laughs> amazing. Yeah. So, uh, so things are going good. So, you know, I, I, this show is really, we've been spending a lot of time about the pandemic. We sort of moved on from that at this point. And uh, we're just trying to message on some of the things that are really near and dear to, to me in particular in our time together. And I, I love sharing your story. I'll sort of lead it off a little bit, and then I want you to sort of take it from there. But uh, we basically met because uh, both you and Laird uh, basically decided to have surgery for your joint replacements. And quite uniquely, you decided to do it on the same day. 
which is really pretty fascinating. Laird had a total hip. You had a total knee. And if I remember the story right, I think Laird was sort of six hours out of the operating room and he was in a rollerboard coming down the, the hallway to come and see how you were doing. And you were in bed sitting and saying, what's going on? Why am I hurting? What's, what's the deal? So tell us that story. It's a great story. So for those of you listening, I was a you know volleyball player. My husband, uh, his name is Laird Hamilton. He, uh, his the brunt, the majority of his career has been from riding large waves. And so, um, you know, repetitive trauma can get you. And, and, uh, we both were separately navigating our own, uh, joint issues, Laird's right hip and my right knee. And, um, it got to a point where we did try everything from stem cell to, I mean, like every kind of modality other than a surgery. And we, we got to the place where it was like, I'd rather just get the joint replacement and get on with life. And if something better comes along later, let's deal with that then. Um, and that's after you've been in some pain for a while and you lose function. And so I got the rocket scientist idea to do it at the same time because we went to a doctor named Dr. Brad Pennenberg, who does only hips and knees. And um, so uh, Dr. Elitrage, you know, sort of was our guide on this. And we, we went to Pennenberg and, um, we went in and Laird was first and he did a local. And so he was awake for his surgery. Uh, I certainly, they did not offer that to me and I wouldn't have wanted that. And so um, I have low blood pressure. So after my surgery, I stayed in the hospital and I think Laird went home at about three o'clock the same day. And like, they were calling me on the phone and he was eating piles of food. And I was like, <laughs> Because for anybody who's ever been out and under, you're not really that excited to eat a bunch of food. And I stayed in the hospital for two days and came home. And and how you and I met was um, they did give me, uh, I believe it was Tramadol in the hospital and liquid Tylenol. Uh, Laird did not take anything. And I had I had really decided ahead that I was going to try to do other things besides opioids. Uh to manage my pain. And and we've talked about this a lot, you know, pain is a very personal thing. And so this isn't about, um, you know, not respecting or valuing other people's pains. This was me being aware that even though both of us are, you know, what one would call clean living, um, healthy minded, you know, all these things, I understood from all that I had learned and understood about opioids that it didn't really matter And I knew a lot of athletes that got themselves into really big trouble from this exact scenario. So we had both decided like, hey, we're going to have surgery and we're going to know ahead. We're going to be uncomfortable. And I I was more uncomfortable for longer than Laird because a knee replacement is a little bit more challenging to get through than a hip. Um, and we, we tried, we tried to get creative. So we used stim machines to, you know, kind of wear out our nerve receptors or pain receptors, excuse me. Um, if it came down to it, I would use ice. Um, even though, you know, ice can inhibit levels of healing it at times you can use it really to block pain. So, you know, that was our, our choice. And, and, you know, I'm, I wouldn't say it was for everyone, but I actually think it's completely doable if you don't have anything really unusual happened in your surgery, but also just to remind people, if you have, and that's considered an elective surgery, um, it's surgery. It's not a massage. Like there's going to be a time that it kind of sucks. And 
I feel like when you know that ahead, you're not freaking out quite as much on the other side of that. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, in, in, in your defense, I mean, Laird is a super superhero. We know that about him, but hip replacements don't hurt as much as knee replacements. And as a general rule of thumb, most yeah. people recover faster. So, so he had the, the, the better end of the bargain for sure. Yeah. But I mean, the thing I loved about your story was that uh, you were ahead of your time. I mean, so you knew a lot of celebrities and pro athletes that had unfortunately succumbed to opioids uh, throughout their life and uh, some, some loss of life as well. Yeah. And so you decided before this whole opioid sparing approach that you were going to go through a knee replacement without opioids. And let's be very clear. No one was doing that at that time. And so, and it was, it was a struggle for you. I mean, let's, let's admit it, right? I mean, you had a hard time regaining your range of motion and function and the first couple of weeks sucked. Oh, I'll, I'll, listen, I, my knee was bent for 15 years. So the tissue was so set up. I had two manipulations. So for those of you who don't know what that is, that's when they're not getting the range of motion they need and they go, cool, we're going to go back in and crank on your knee and break up that scar tissue. And I had two manipulations. Of course, Laird was probably already in the water by then. So that was part of the journey. And I think, again, going back to this, it's about getting as much information as you can prior to the surgery. And doctors, I know that they're busy. You guys are busy people, but they do want to answer your questions. So if you could actually be prepared ahead and come in with a list of questions like, hey, you know, what happens if this happens or that happens? And also to not think you're going to go through this and you're going to sleep like a baby the first couple of weeks. You're not. It's it's uncomfortable. You feel unsure. You feel vulnerable. Right. That that beginning point. I remember somebody saying to me, listen. You really have to hold on to like this concept of three months. And with the knee replacement, it was like where you are at one month, you think you should be so much further down the road. But where you end up at three months is so significantly better than at one month. And so I also think it's about creating realistic expectations. It'd be like when you have a kid, when your kid is two, you're not expecting them to read. So they're not behind because they're not reading. They're right on schedule. And then like, oh, six, seven, pretty cool. So I think it's it's being informed and putting a framework around what you're about to go through so that emotionally you can pace yourself through the recovery because that's, you have to be able to sort of survive through that recovery. Yeah. And I mean, you were a professional athlete. There wasn't anything that you couldn't do with your body when you needed to. So it's frustrating to, to sort of not rebound as, as quickly as you like, but your experience, you're absolutely dead on, you know, that three to six month window is when people sort of break through and then start really getting well and, and moving forwards. And then it, it was because of your desire to, to sort of go through this opioid free total knee replacement that you decided to pay it forwards and then be able to help other people. That's how you and I got together for, especially for the choices matter, you know, yeah. campaign plan against pain that we did together. And so that was terrific sort of empowering patients, just like you're talking about today about your experience and letting them know that they have choices. And it's pretty cool. We actually have a cool, a couple new things that we're doing now. So we have this freeze ray gun. It's called Iovera. And so with Iovera, we freeze the nerves prior to surgery. We do it about a week or so before surgery. And they get like three months worth of pain relief. So during that time period, that first three months really sucks and you're getting manipulations and all that. 
the nerves go go quiet. And then then we do the Expirel, the liposomal bupivacaine, which is what one of the things you help to sponsor with. These patients now, Gabby, many times are off all medication within five days, which is really quite profound. And they're walking independently with functional range of motion within 10 to 12 days. It's a, it's a whole new paradigm. And, and you really helped to, to sort of establish that and get that started. So you should be proud. Appreciate well, you. Well, no, Doc, it's you who's been doing the work and also encouraging patients to trust you to, to have these surgeries and that they would, and they would be okay without the opioids or getting off them as quickly as, as possible. I think for me, you know, it was funny. I had dinner um, with a, with a friend of mine from Hawaii a while back and he's significantly younger than myself and Laird and he's a big wave surfer. And we knew him when he was a little kid and, you know, surf athletes get hurt. And when you have sports like snowboarding or skateboarding or surfing, they sort of have catastrophic injury, right? Where someone like me, maybe it's just like over time. And he had a brother. Uh, so when he was very young and Laird and I were adults, he had a brother that uh, was a great motocross rider and shattered his heel. And um, he ended up clean living guy, hard charging. He ended up getting on pain pills, which led him to other things. And he, you know, passed away at 18 years old. And, um, you know, I think it's, it's not a, it's not a, how you were raised. It's not a moral, it, you know, it's not somebody doesn't have a good will. It's that these, these pills are set up uh, to lock and load in your brain in such a way that if you have the trigger and you can be the most honest, hardworking, family-oriented person on the planet, um, they can put their teeth in you. And I just didn't think I was above that. I, I just didn't think I was above that possibility since I had seen that story so many times and I didn't want to risk it. And so I, I, I really felt it was important to say to people, hey, you know, it's possible to do this. Is it going to be like, you know, taking a joyride, you know, at the carnival? No, but it's it's so much potentially better. And I also think your healing and recovery is better the more you can stay away from all that stuff. And um, and I'm excited and jealous to hear about your that'll be good for my neck surgery um yeah so th this was not this is not something that's hard for me to talk about because i believe in it so much i mean i was just you must have just seen in the news about melissa etheridge's son who at 21 years old is gone and it, they said it's from an opioid addiction so this is and even weirdly now if people are in quarantine I mean, they are in quarantine. I just feel like the more clear we can be, we almost need everything going in our favor uh, in this lifetime. And you, you know, you add work and family and stress and electronics and, you know, things coming at you. It's like, I understand the, the desire to, you know, need to buffer that or quiet that down. But if there's alternative ways, it's just about encouraging people to go, hey, find out what you can get uh, because it's just so worth it. Yeah. I mean, I think this pandemic has been, will be cleansing for all of us in many ways, not just uh, within our own individual space. But, you know, we've actually, what's great news, I mean, you, you talked about those two young individuals that have passed and, 
And so my son, Zachary, had ACL surgery uh, three weeks ago. And so we're now doing these same techniques that we were doing for knee replacements now have expanded to outpatient surgery. So all shoulder surgery now, most patients require zero narcotics. Zachary underwent an ACL surgery, didn't have a single narcotic prescription, not a single pain pill, rallied and within four days was walking around great. So the messaging that, you know, that we started, you know, probably, I don't know how many years ago it was, but has really now spread and, and it really, we've gained traction and opioid sparing surgery now has really become mainstream and it's really awesome. It's not just, you know, it's for kids, it's for everyone. And your, your, your point was so well taken. That is, we don't know who the person is where that medication is going to grab your brain. We just don't. We don't have a way to do that yet. We will eventually. So for now, I think maintaining opioid naivete, not taking those medications, communicating yeah. with your doctor to say that this is something that's important for me and something that I want to do, you know, is hugely important. And uh, yeah, you are integral in getting that message out. So we thank you. Well, I mean, listen, if one thing could get, besides the fact that I had the opportunity to get out of pain with a surgery, because that's also a great gift. You know, I, I thought about it like if it was 30 years ago, you'd just be like, oh, sorry, limp around. Um, is that I could speak personally to this on something that I think is just really, really important. And, you know, I think a lot of us, I mean, listen, the space that I like to cohabitate in is self-care. And so at the end of the day, what happens too is a lot of people are in, you know, emotional pain and suffering. And so I, 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 I sort of feel like the more we can be talking, communicating, getting help, taking care of ourselves, um, and it doesn't mean being, uh, you know, training like an Olympic athlete. It just simply means taking care of ourselves on a really solid baseline level um, that there's a way to be able to avoid and navigate, you know, needing opioids. Now, having said that, I'm, I'm very sure that there is a specific and neat, you know, place for them. And I'm not downplaying that reality, but I think for a lot of us, um, you know, if we sort of participate in how we're feeling, whether it's emotional or physical, uh, that we have a shot to at least be able to manage whatever the pain is. Yeah, no, you, you talk about that on your podcast a lot. I mean, it's spiritual, it's what you eat, it's how you exercise, it's, you know, it's how you live your life. One of one of my favorite things about you, I think is one of your superpowers, is that that you literally you your your goal is to make people feel good. It doesn't matter, you know, where they are, who they are, and it's not about Gabby Reese, it's about about having other people feel good about themselves. And I experienced that with you at a personal level. Doesn't matter where we were going. You always made, you know, you spoke to everyone that was present in front of us. Where, where does that come from? Is it, it's a deep spiritual thing for you, I'm sure. I know. I think it's just good behavior. You know, I think, I think, um, you know, the, whether, whatever title you want to call it, the universe, God has given me a lot of blessings and, and good fortune and grace and I think um, one of the ways that we can appreciate or show that we appreciate these kinds of things is um, to have decent be- human behavior. I don't think what I do is uh, different in any way. I think it's actually just probably the way I should be. And um, and um, and also, like, I'm aware that the laws of the universe are always in play, and I don't need to test that to to have learned that lesson. Like I know everything I say, my thoughts, my responses, how I treat my brothers and sisters, like, you know, I have a daughter, 
who's very uh, empathetic. And so I could say to her when she was younger, hey, if you use your manners, it makes those people feel good. My younger daughter, who's more similar to me, if I say, uh, if you use your manners, your life will be better. She goes, oh, okay. Right. <laughs> and so, you know, this isn't some Pollyanna stuff. This is stuff that I'm like, oh no, I know this to be true. And I am committed to that. Um, that's my, uh, my code of living and that, you know, and it's, I, it feels comfortable. Yeah. And it shows, and you're, you're, you're really good at it. Your messaging is amazing. I think that, uh, you know, you, you have an amazing following for that reason and you live your life, you know, helping other people to be better about themselves, which helps all of us. And it, uh, it's just a great way to live and you help to pay it forward to us. And I can't thank you enough for the messaging that you helped us with our opioid sparing time. So, you know, look, Gabby, it's been a pleasure having you on. I can't thank you enough. Life's busy. Uh, really meant a lot for, to me for to have you on. So we appreciate that very much. Well, like I said, I, I really appreciate having professional people like you that are putting your hands on people willing, you know, to, to be progressive. Cause that was progressive when you guys are doing those surgeries that way. And also just to encourage people that, um, you know, taking care of yourself is time well spent and, um, and that then we'll be better to take care of other people. So I, uh, and hopefully the next time I see you, um, you know, we'll be in person. What great messaging. Thank you so much, Gabby. We appreciate you so much. This is Dr. Scott Sigmund, host of the Ortho Show. Hashtag follow the fro. Till next time.